So as I sit down, stay standing up in your spirit. See, you're more attentive when you're leaning in. Somebody turn down and say, lean in tonight. Lean in. Turn, turn to them and tell them this is table truth. It's table talk. This is what we do when we're at the house with our kids. We just open it up and say, all right, let's talk about this. This is what we're going to do. Are y'all good with this? Everybody good? All right. Take it away, woman of God. Hey. <laughs> Listen, he's preaching already. And I hope that he continues in that in just a moment. I felt the Lord say on Sunday that we have 12 weeks that we will be in here on Wednesday nights. Uh, because there are a couple Wednesdays before Thanksgiving. We don't have church. Um, who has heard about our Christmas village? Anybody? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Christmas at the North Gate, I think that's what it's called. We're excited about that. That Wednesday, we're going to be preparing for that. But these are going to be Wednesday nights of equipping. And, you know, so many people will be like, oh, equip us how to, you know, win souls. No, no, you want to know he who wins souls is wise, but ultimately it's really simple. We've made it a whole lot harder than what it truly is. How did you get saved? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. So ultimately believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Do you believe the Lord? Do you, do you confess with your mouth? Do you receive everything that he has for you? And ultimately, you will win somebody. Remember we talked about repairing the doors of your gate, your your entry. You will win somebody out of what you came from. Quicker than somebody coming to the church house to be saved. So that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. We probably will. I think we probably will talk about soul winning. We probably will talk about missions. But ultimately, every one of you know how to do those things. You just don't. We wait until it's an event on the calendar. And what happens is we get so in our mind. that we can't even get to spiritual things because we're at war here. Come on now. So tonight and probably next week and the following week, we're gonna talk about things where there are big question marks in the church. Come on, come on. And so we're gonna sit down at the table and tonight we're gonna to talk about mind matters. Listen, so I, I, I'm just, I'm gonna open it up like this, that in psychology, they do um, tests and the way that they run tests and try to get data and get to a diagnosis or a specific thing that you're going through, it is done either objectively or subjectively. Okay. A few weeks ago, you know that I mentioned this. There are two forms of perception. Everybody say this. There are two forms of perception. And I feel that in the church, this is possibly even outside of the church, but for real in the church, this is the biggest misunderstanding 
This is where frustrations come in. This is where arguments and vain imaginations are birthed. This is where offenses come from. And it's simply because there are two forms of perception. Which means one has a viewpoint and another has a viewpoint. And if you don't see it the way I see it, if you don't feel it the way I feel it, if you don't hear it the way I hear it, you ain't heard it. You ain't seen it. You ain't felt it. And so therefore we start pinning each other. We literally have Facebook wars determining who really knows how to worship God and who don't. Because at the end of the day, it's two forms of opinion. It's two different perceptions. Certain people don't like this church because we scream and you got a half, you got half of a head that's a woman pastor. How does that even work? How are the two heads at this church? Because we're one. We've been one since 2002. And that hadn't changed yet and it ain't going to change tomorrow. And so ultimately, we have two forms of perception. And God is saying, I want my body to have one. I want to be the object of your Affection. So a subjective point of view, everybody say a subjective point of view, is based on personal preference. To be subjective, it is based on personal interpretation. It's done out of feelings. It's done out of personal opinion. It's where the mindset is for a particular moment. That's how today you could feel one way and be subject to this moment. And tomorrow the moment changes and your viewpoint changes. And that's why a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Because you, you bounce back and forth. You're, you're doing things subjectively. We answer questions subjectively. We ask questions subjectively. But... To be objective, everybody say to be objective. Objective. It's a viewpoint that is based solely on truth and on facts. And it is absent of a personal preference. So here's, here's a subjective line for you. I very much dislike that green carpet that's under your feet. And that's, well, that's my truth. I can't wait till the day the Lord says, rip it out, honey, rip it out. But that's subjectively my opinion because I'll say that and somebody else says, well, I don't think it's that bad because it's two different perceptions. And when I focus on how much I dislike it, I continue to talk about it because I've become subjective to my opinion of this green carpet. However, objectively, the carpet's green. That's the facts. And at the end of the day, like it or leave it, it's a green. And so you all know a few weeks ago, and I did go through a psychology class. I'm not a psychologist. I do know some very incredible Christian psychologists. And there is a difference in being a Christian psychologist and one who is, you know, just a psychologist. There is absolutely a difference. And I believe in that I have met people. Dominic Herbs is one of them who is a phenomenal spirit-led Christian psychologist, which means he has studied the human mind and its operations, and yet he applies everything from it 
against the biblical truths. Wow. The ultimate place where he lands is the subject, the, he is subject only to the objective of the word. And so tonight, I, I was reminded of this as we were preparing because there was not even the situation that y'all may think we're going through. Y'all may say, I didn't know they were going through anything. Well, praise God. You don't know. But, you know, sometimes you just, you, people read between the lines, Aaron and I are great. Our children are great. You are great. But let me tell you something. Just like you, we face, you know, three shades of hell five times a day. You know what I mean? Every one of you have already dealt with so many battles before you walked in here. And if we're not careful, we become subject to what we've dealt with out there. And it's hard for us to come in here and objectively worship him in spirit and in truth. Why? Because our carnal mind has got us all entangled in what's taking place. So I was outside a few weeks ago and I was, you know, given it, given the atmosphere wherefore, because that's what I do. I know how to war. I, I am the first one in a battle. I will, I will draw the sword. And the Lord's like, Peter, put your sword up. And so I was just going to town in warfare outside of my house. And I finally just sat down. I had prayed every prayer and every way that I knew how to pray. And I didn't have breakthroughs. Anybody ever been there? Like I quoted every scripture I knew. I was sweating. I had danced around my yard. I had said, you territorial demon. I'd released heaven's angels and I still felt bound. You pastor? Yeah. I felt no penetration in the atmosphere of what I was standing up against. And I sat down and I put my head in my hands and I said, God, I don't even know how to pray about this. I had prayed every which way. And literally the Lord gave me an open vision and I saw the word objectively fly up before me. And see, some of you are having a hard time to believe that. No, you, you didn't see that. Oh, we're here tonight. I did. And because I saw it, I was like, okay, objectively. And I looked up the definition and that night when I opened it, it literally said, in a way that is not dependent upon your feelings. Not in a way that is not dependent on your opinion and in a way that is not dependent on your mind for existence. He was saying to me, the Lord said, Amanda Crabb, in order to pray about this situation effectively, you're going to have to get out of you and get into me. He was saying, you're going to have to get out of your mind, out of your feel, how this has made you feel and all the anger issues that you're feeling. Has anybody ever seen that movie where all the different, uh, what, uh, what is that movie? Where anger takes control and you see the rage take place. Inside Out. Has anybody seen that movie? I'm telling you, a group of psychologists wrote that. I promise you. 
But literally, it's like a moment anger takes over the controls of your life, right? Frustration, sadness, and some of you need to kick sadness off the controller of your life. Some of you need to kick anger out of the control seat of your life. Some of you need to kick, you know, even the, uh, the fierceness of frustration out of the control seat of your life. Yes, life has happened to you. And some of you are in the pit of hell right now. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to move this mountain is praying objectively the word of God, not dependent upon your mind for existence. There are certain things that you nor I can handle in our flesh. Now, there's certain things I can do in my flesh. I can cook in my flesh. One time I was mad, y'all. Can we be real? I was mad. I got, you know, I know that's shocking for some of you. And some of you are like, I think she's always mad. And my oldest son said something to me as we were, I was like, I want to go out to eat tonight. I, I was tired. I think I just came on, come in off the road and we were all in the car. I said, hey, I want to go eat tonight. Well, he had a million reasons of why that was a bad idea. And he, and he let it be known. You know what I'm saying? And he, he was like, this is a dumb idea. The wait is long. I'm hungry, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're hungry. And if we go home, you're going to have to wait anyway because then I got to work. So I whip that car and we go home and y'all, I start throwing stuff in a pot. I mean, I am cooking mad. I can do that in my flesh. And let me tell you, my family sat down to eat after I was like, Lord, bless this food. Please remove the anger and my emotions out of this food. And my kids were like, oh, this is amazing. What is it? I was like, I have no idea. And they said, you should cook mad more often. (laughs) There's some things I can do in my flesh. I don't need my spirit for it. But let me tell you something. If I continued cooking mad, you know know what I'm saying? If I continued in my madness, there would eventually be the fruit of it. And therefore, I had to find a place of repentance. I had to go to my son and be like, okay, listen, you won. I'm home. You, I got, you, I got to cook your meal. I hope you loved it. And he was like, mom, it was the most amazing thing I've ever tasted. Good choice of words. It was good. It was, but everybody say objectively, I got to do it in a way that's not dependent upon my feeling. How many of us attend church, worship, hear the word Run to the altar based on how we feel. Don't nobody raise your hand. But that's the problem. When he's talking to the woman at the well and there's Samaritans and she says, you Jews, you know, Samaritans had their opinion of where the true place of worship was. And the Jews had their opinion of where the true place of worship was. And she said, you Jews have to worship there. We believe this is the place of worship. And he says, listen, there is coming a day that if you're going to worship, you will do it in spirit and in truth, which is outside of your opinion of how to do it. You're going to have to hear the word in this hour outside of your feeling and your emotion. Some people will leave the house of God Sunday, Wednesday, and every other day you're here, and it did not speak 
speak to your feelings and therefore you will call it not anointed. I don't know where that came from. That's not my notes. Everybody say objective. Get our feelings out of the way, which means dig into the word and listen and hear and walk in what it declares regardless of your situation. And which means pray in the Holy Spirit. We heard the scripture, 1 Corinthians, I believe it's in 14. Paul said, when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. And when my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. And a lot of times that feels crazy because we go, how many, when you pray in tongues, your mind goes blank? It it literally like feels like it goes blank sometimes. And there's a moment in time because we all love to be in the control seat or we love to set our feeling in the control seat of life that we want to know what we're saying. But the spirit will make intercession and will say things that you do not know. He makes intercession for you. So then psychology, the study of the human mind. When you study psychology, it tells you that there are neurons in your brain and they are, are, are bound together by connective wires, okay? So that's when an addiction forms, you tie off to a place in your brain that has to have that. It's why when you leave an altar of repentance or you leave a moment, you sober up and you say, I'm never going to do that again. I just want you to picture it like this in your brain. There's this flapping wire that that is full of electrical current. And if it does not reattach to something else, it will go right back to the place of familiarity. That's psychology 101. And that's why when you break something, you reattach it to to something else. That's why it's important that when you say, okay, I'm going to empty me of me, I'm breaking and I'm cutting this addiction off, then you have to purpose in your heart to dig into the word every day and find you accountability and find you a prayer partner. Not so somebody can hover over your every moment, but that you might confess your sins one to, to another, that you might actually be healed. Because it's that moment of saying, okay, I need a moment to break free from this and you're going to help me and teach me to reattach to the truth of the word of God. And then all of these dead zones and gray matter that begins to shut off in your brain begins to fire and come alive again because it's not under an unhealthy, unholy substance. Okay, so it's how the mind functions, especially affecting behavior given in context. The mental and emotional factors governing, everybody say governing, a situation or activity. The Holy Spirit is called the governor of our soul. The Lord told me, he said, we're getting ready to see those who allow me to govern their mind in this season. So then let's talk about something. Where, you know, this is the big question about, well, my mental illness, my, my mental health, and what I am saying tonight is not negating any of that, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and slay that devil. But I want to say this to you, is that ultimately there are no real genetic tests to confirm a diagnosis of a mental disorder. 
while there might be certain genes and DNAs that would lead to like, I have a family history, one side of my family, there are several people who have dealt with schizophrenia, okay? And so you take that and you make it as if it is a, it's what you become subject to. I remember my sister saying that for years, she was worried that she would become that because my mom would always say, listen, if you can get through your 20s, if you can get through your 20s, and not that my mom meant anything bad by it, but there was a family history and ultimately a family stronghold of mental illness and schizophrenia. My sister said I was never so happy to see 30 in all my life. Right? I know this is, this is a touchy subject in the church. That's why we're having the conversation at the table. That's why we're having the conversation at the table. And so while there might be certain genes that put little disorders in your life, I want to slay a, de- a demon right now. I want to slay a demon. The majority of mental health strongholds are trauma-related. Okay, most of the time, every one of us have had something happen in our childhood. Almost, if I went around the room, almost everybody in this room. And so what happens in the psychology of your brain, when you are met with a trauma, when you are met with uh, something that you're faced with, may it be abuse, may it be psychologically abused, may it be a traumatic experience, a wreck, something happens in childhood and there is in psychology a thing that it talks about you mentally get stuck in a place you mentally get stuck and so no wonder the enemy the true demon is not abuse the true demon is trauma in all shapes forms and fashion okay it is the ultimate place where the enemy wants to keep a whole body stuck and what happens is you go to get out of the cycle of stuckness and you find yourself right back in the same place of trauma because psychologically your neurons you might have gray matter it's a place of where there becomes a dead zone in your mind and in your brain and I am convinced in this day and in this hour that only the Holy Spirit will be able to cause that dead zone to come alive again and so you would say, okay, Pastor Amanda, what's your stance on, you know, we've got, we've got bipolar disorders. I've seen them. I've met them. I know all of the things I'm not telling you to take, to not take your medication. I believe in the work of doctors. You need to hear me. If I end up with a headache tonight and I've prayed and it did not lift, guess what I'm going to do? Take some ibuprofen. I'm going to take something to alleviate pain. I had surgery in December. And let me tell you, I'm one of those. I will fight through the pain until I am sweating and shaking because I don't like being under the influence of something else. However, pain will make you forget promises. Pain will make you forget what normalcy feels like. No, it's true. Like pain will come on and you will say, I am never going to move past this momentary pain. I'm not ever going to get past this. And so let me tell you, I, your pastor in December would take halves of pain medicine. 
You know why? Because number one, I don't want to get codependent on something. I really don't. So I don't want to live according and be subject to something else. But I am not telling you don't go to a doctor and receive a prescription. Some of you might have legit diagnosis. But tonight and in my job and in my field, I am not a psychologist. I am not a PhD doctor that gives you prescription and medicates your issue. But where God has called me and Aaron and the leaders of this church in the field, to is to go back to that place of drama and that place of trauma Uh and that place where the enemy thought he was going to take control of your mind and destroy your life and begin to tear up the root of that thing and we can say those things with such divine authority because I've been there It was not until I was filled with the Holy Spirit of God that I was able to forgive my abusers, that I was able to let go of the traumatic experience of being sexually abused and a man walking in a room and showing me things and body parts that I had no business recognizing as a child. Let me tell you, that enemy wanted me to get locked in a frame and sear my mind and sear my thought process, but the Holy Spirit came and he brought a dead zone that had locked me in a trap and he set me free and I'm telling you tonight that I know it, I've experienced I'm not preaching something that I read in a book, it's what I've lived and so it's not just oh, I'm subjectively feeling it, no, I objectively live it It is the source of my strength. It is the place that when I begin to allow his spirit to shift my mind, when I begin to get out of my mind and into his spirit, he changed me. Now, I am not prone to, uh, to depression. I have experienced depression. It has not been something that I have remained in. But you need to know that I too have had those moments of the enemy saying you would be, life would be better off if you weren't here. Those momentary moments of the enemy showing a quick vision and saying just, just do it. Just hit that column. Just do it. Just get out of here. Because life would be easier. So we're not setting up here on a high and mighty place. But let me tell you, I knew very quickly where to run to when I felt that come over me. Listen, there is a thing in your brain. Everybody say your brain, your mind. The psychology tells us that if you are not sleeping, if you're not resting, if your body is not fully shutting down, then organs will take on it itself and your organs will begin to shut down. Your brain is like your phone. Have you ever felt the glitch in your phone and nothing works and you get the, the cyclical, the will of death is what we call it in our house? The will of death that will not move from its moment? That's what happens when you're not resting and powering down. You were made to rest. Say, I was made to rest. There comes a place when the enemy will come. Isn't it funny how at night he comes in like a terror? 
and will cause such weariness to come over you because he knows that the Lord thy God who never slumbers and never sleeps is watching you. He's singing over you while you sleep. But if he comes in and gets in your mind and keeps reiterating and showing you the same cyclical will that broke you, that broke the system of you, you hear me? And you get stuck in this and you don't power down and allow God to fight some battles, you fall into a spirit of weariness. Remember, I told you Sunday, there's a difference in being tired and being weary. And some of us are fighting unnecessary battles that we did not, we were not called to fight and we do not have to fight. Some of us need to rest and allow the Lord to take the battle that we're trying to figure out in our minds. Some of you, listen, and I'm not saying, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. I've been there and I've done this. This Elijah, who literally defeated Jezebel's false prophets. A great and mighty victory. Can we turn up these lights? Because y'all are, you know what's funny? The enemy won't let you sleep at night when you get home, but he'll try to make you sleep when the word's being preached. Watch me put my feet on my desk. Let me table talk. No, and that, listen, that's a spirit too because he knows that if you will ever get this in your spirit, he will have no authority in your mind. He knows it. So can we just say this? I can't hear this with my mind. I got to hear it with my spirit. I can't worship with my mind. I got to worship with my spirit. And so in that, in that, Elijah destroys, was it 450 false prophets? Is that right? And then all of a sudden Jezebel's mad and she says, I'm going to kill you. By this time tomorrow, you will be dead. And one word that was carnally given hit his mind, not his spirit. Sent him into a depression and made him want to just kill himself. Suicidal thoughts became him. He was saying, God, just, just, I, I just, I want to die. I just want to die. Literally from one moment of slaying enemies of God to one word. That's why you got to be so careful. And in ministry, hear me, you have to be so careful. The most crucial time is right before delivery of a word and right after delivery of a word. Right before and right after, because if the enemy can mess with the thought process, it destroys everything that spiritually is trying to come forth. And so right after a great victory, it sends him into a tailspin, but I want to help you. Everybody say, when I'm, when I'm tired and I've had a victory and the enemy's released his, his word over me, I need a meal, I need a nap, and I need the angels to come minister to me. Some of you just need to simply say that. I need a nap, I need a good meal, and I need the angels to come minister to me. 
Some of you need to hear the word of the Lord and me saying this. When you go to your bed tonight, you need to say, God, I thank you that this battle is not mine. I've, I've, I've partaken of a meal tonight. I sat at a table and I have feasted on the word of the Lord. I've had a meal. You're going to give me a nap and the angels are going to come and minister to my mind, to my spirit and to my body. And when I get up from this place, that some of you need to get bold and serve notice on the enemy. When I get up from this place, you might see me 40 days later after I've been in a cave, but it will be the still small voice of God that will give me such grace and, and, and faith for the journey that not another Jezebelic word will be able to send me on a tailspin in my mind. So I, I know what depression is. There have been moments that even, especially that postpartum or these moments of trauma that make you forget. But I have always, and it's probably the resilience of just hell, if I'm being honest. That's what my husband says. All that you've been through, you just keep like, you just go, okay, next, <laughs> next. My friend Cecilia was preaching last week, like just hit me one more time. And I'm like, Lord, please don't, but okay. <laughs> but Aaron, Pastor Aaron, my husband, in his teenage years, he knows what it feels like to battle such deep depression to the point of near death. Finding himself in a hospital room. This is, see, this is real talk. At 19, 20 years old, the enemy said, I'm coming to take you out and it will be because you've decided to get in your mind and be depressed. And literally death came knocking at his door. He almost died. His twin brother over his, over the hospital bed when he came to leading him again into the prayer of repentance, getting his mind back on course. You see what I'm saying? Because pain, depression, Fear, anxiety will make you forget the word of God. That's why we come in here to be equipped. But these are such touchy subjects that I pray that you don't, but some of you will leave here offended and say, she just don't understand. You cannot imagine what we understand. But we have found that it's only by the grace of God and it's only by his word and only by his spirit that we can come in here week after week in the mind of Christ and speaking to you, not out of our carnality, but out of his spirit. Amen. I just, I want to connect uh, the scripture verse that we are connecting this with tonight and it's Philippians 2, 5, and you may have already said it. But it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so just write, write these down. When you look at the first chapter of, of uh, Philippians, you'll see that Paul is telling the Philippians, he says, he's telling them how to stand against the uh, conflicts. And this is outward uh, pressures, outward persecutions. He's trying to encourage this body and he's tell them, telling them through the letter he says, stand for the Lord against external conflict. But then we see internal conflict. So how many knows the enemy will, will hit you with stuff that's outside of you? But you need to understand why he's doing it out. Because if he can get it on the outs, if he can get you believing what's happening on the outside of you, he can affect what's going on on the inside of you. 
And so there's an inner conflict now that he's talking about in, in second, the second chapter Paul speaks of. Here he is. He's saying unity. I want you to understand unity when we agree. The Bible says this. When two or three are gathered together in my name, he said, I'll be in the midst of them and I will answer them. Why? Because there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. And, and he's saying to them, he's saying, be in unity. Be, write these things down. Be in humility, number one. Humility. Be in unity. And, that, and I'm talking about us even as a, as a body here. God is saying, be in unity. And then he goes in, he says, I want you to, he's, he goes on, if, if there's any comfort of love. He's saying, if there's any comfort of love. He says, uh, and, and I want you to look at that word comfort right there because comfort in the passage is the Greek, you know, the parakletos. We understand it's the Holy Spirit, the helper that comes. This is the parakletos. It's parakletos. And it's more of, it's not just the soothing. Listen to me. Thank God for the soothing of the Holy Spirit in those moments of chaos in our spirit. But he's saying, not only is it going to soothe you, not is it going, is it, and, and it's, thank God that he'll even give us sympathy. Amen. You know, thank God for the Holy Spirit that will sympathize where we are. But this is a strength is what he's talking about here. Now, this word comfort means strength. I want you to shout, shout to your neighbor and tell them this comfort will bring you some strength. Just go ahead and tell them that the comfort that God is sending in this hour is not only going to sympathize where you are, but it's not going to leave you where you are. It's going to strengthen you to get out of whatever you're in in this moment because whatever you're in in the external will affect your internal being. And he's saying, he said, I want you to, to look at that that word, he's saying comfort of love. Somebody shout love. So if I'm in love, I conquer fear. Fear will not operate where love is present. Fear will not operate where love is present and love is strengthening me. His love is helping me. His love is making me strong. His love is giving me confidence. I cannot be confident without his love. Come on, somebody. If I'm not in his love, I'm going to operate out of fear. But thank God for his love that will give me boldness to face my enemies. And so this is what he is, he is encouraging the people. And now we see that after uh, we, we see this, uh, he's, he's talking about Christ. He's talking about what he went through. He's talking about his suffering. And, and it's, so pre it's so appropriate for the season that we're living in and the hour that we're living in, even on the Jewish calendar, we could go back and see is giving us a door. Amen. How many knows he's always knocking at your door, giving you the opportunity to, to come into that door and, and him come into you and you have the opportunity to fellowship with him. So he's saying I, now because uh, what Jesus has shown us, the example, the pattern, the chief cornerstone has shown us that if I humble myself, come on, if I humble myself and I, and I walk not only in humility, but I walk in unity with my fellow brothers and sisters, if I'll humble myself and not think myself so much greater than everybody else that I've got it all figured out, but I can face hard days, but I, I can't neglect the fact that I may be going through hell, but so are you you're going through hell so we come on the same page that we're going through some stuff but we understand that the power of his love is greater than what the enemy wants to stereotype you and say you're going to be just the product of what the curse was on your father and your grandfather no the devil is a liar I've got some brothers that's going to agree with me I've got some sisters that's going to agree I've got some unity and I'm going to humbly say that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory 
And so we understand now that his name, because he humbled himself, because he, he, he allowed the, the persecution, he allowed the crucifixion, now we understand that his name has been elevated. So guess what? His name has been attached to your life, which means that you get to sit in the same position that he is in this very moment, which means that wherever the enemy is in his position is where he is in your position. He is under your feet. Three things that the Lord said. He said, I'm going to, na this name will be honored in the heavens. This name, three levels. This name will be honored in the earth. This name will be honored in uh, the, the pits of hell. But it could only happen through his humility and willingness to obey the voice of the Father. So we go on through and we say that now, Paul, he's, he's telling him, he's saying, stay in fellowship with the Spirit. Stay in fellowship with the Spirit. I can't stay in fellowship with you if I'm not in fellowship. Right. That's so true. Because I'll always revert to who I was and forget who I am. If I don't fellowship with the Spirit, I will be forgetful in all my ways. Uh, yeah, y'all can go ahead and just listen. I'm telling you, God desires us day by day to fellowship with his spirit. Now, let me just tell you this. His spirit is his power. His spirit is his peace. His spirit is his righteousness, which means when fear tries to enter into my corner, I don't, I, that's why I gotta say, that's why the mercies are new every morning. That's why Amanda said that the enemy will come and torment you at night because he wants you to forget the mercy for your mind in the morning. Come on, somebody. He wants you to forget that when you wake up that the joy of the Lord will always be your strength when the enemy's trying to bring you back to the place of your past weakness. And I tried to use my mind rather than use his mind. That's where we get messed up. You can still be, you can try to get into his mind, but if, you're, if your mind outweighs his mind, then you are going to be unstable in all of your ways. Can I say something right yeah, there? Yeah, go ahead. Even the very beginning, the, at the fall of man, it was over the war of God's mind. Mm, come on now. Come on now. That's it. The fruit. <laughs> It was, the, it was the fruit, which at the fruit. end of the day, and I've, I told the staff, we are in the season of the war of two wills. The war of two wills, the will of the flesh and the will of the spirit. And let me tell you, the Lord thy God said, I will not strive always with man. I will not strive always. And I feel like we are coming to that at that moment of time where he's saying, listen, I'm not going to strive always with you. And so you're, you're either going to submit fully to my will or you're going to surrender to yours. And we could go all the way back to the garden, Genesis three, when the, the cunning wise serpent Man, showed on. up and the question was, did God really say That's it right there? Literally, That's so it. then it causes a question mark, to like, well, well, maybe I missed, maybe I misinterpreted, maybe yeah. I misunderstood it, and and because they had fellowshiped with God continually, 
They were walking with him. Now I want you to picture this, okay? So he's talking about keeping fellowship with the spirit, with the Holy Spirit. They walked and communed and fellowshiped with the Lord in the cool of the day. And I believe that fruit representation Am I, Amanda, this is just subjectively, okay? But I I think I could probably pull it together. I believe that he himself, the Lord that God, because it was the tree of good and evil. It was the tree of knowledge, knowing what God knew. And he's saying, God wants you to know what he knows. And so I just pictured the the purpose and the destruction of the will of man versus the will of God was getting the knowledge themselves instead of Yahweh feeding it to them. Think about the fruits of the spirit. The only way, Larry, I can have the fruits of the spirit is if I fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so all the way back at the beginning was to break fellowship of us eating from the hand of God and getting it and being a thief and robbing what God knows ourselves. It's been the ultimate war from the beginning. And so if we can get into our own intellectual thinking, our own theological comprehension and discussion and debates and we begin to feed ourselves, and we make God of no effect in our life then we begin to produce rotted fruit it's no different than the garden deception because we are getting full on ourselves outside of being fed from him from Yahweh. We must stay in constant fellowship. We, that we did not give ourselves enough time for I'm this. I'm telling you, we're running out of time. Anybody, Turn off the clock. Anybody being blessed tonight? Listen. Is this helping anybody? I want you to turn your neighbor. We're going to close this up pretty soon. But I want you to turn your neighbor and say this. I cannot be in my mind and his mind at the same time. And I love what she said because, oh man, because fear came in in that moment when that forbidden moment was, so turn your neighbor and tell them this, fear will take you into forbidden territory. Okay. Can I, I'm sorry. My God, this is dangerous. Adam and Woolman had always been naked. Right. Right. Walking with God naked. They had, they had always been from the beginning naked. However, the revelation of their own mind, mm-hmm. they recognized their humanity, Come on, their carnality mm-hmm. against his deity. And it caused them to be afraid. That's why when you come into the house of God and you try to process in your own carnal ways and fear grips you or doubt grips you, it's because you are literally weighing, you are looking at your nakedness, your ugliness versus the fellowship of God. And you're saying, I got to hide somewhere. Don't look at me. Don't preach to me. Don't talk to me. Because even though you've always been naked, Come on. You were born into sin. Yeah. 
<laughs> but we've been born again. Yeah. And so the awareness of my carnality, yeah, let me, even being spiritually led, look, now this is what I do at home. <laughs> even being spiritual and trusting the word of God, if there is anything in my mind, Romans 8 tells us to be carnally minded is what? It's an enemy of God. It's to be at war with God. And so when I come into his presence, because we are still flesh, it's we become so aware of, oh God, but it's not for you to go run and hide. It's for you to say, Father, I see that. I see it. I see that in my mind. I sense that in my spirit. And I need you to now clothe me in your righteousness because mine's filthy. Mine's filthy. And so when you come into the house of God and you come in worship and you can't move past this place, maybe it was sin, maybe, maybe it was just a past wound, but you're struggling to fully get in the fellowship That's with the what spirit. Fear does. That's what fear, fear does. will always you out. keep your focus on where you were, not where you're going. Fear will always push you back to where you messed up. Fear, fear will always push you back to that past moment where you failed. And, and your sight will do that. Your sight will do that. That's why he said, live in the spirit so you, not, you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Because I cannot be in my mind in his mind at the same time. My mind is always in conflict with the mind of Christ. Always. My flesh is always going to talk me out of what is rightfully mine in the kingdom. And it's going to, it's going to always push me back to a place of my weakness. Come on, somebody. It's, I'm talking about the enemy wants to tuck you in a corner somewhere and keep you connected to what God's delivered you from so he will give you a trigger point so that he can, so that he can target that trigger point so that he can push you way back on the back line so that you cannot be of any effect in the kingdom. I, I come to tell the devil he may have won in last season. But somebody's realizing who you're created to be and you're not what your past dictated you to be. I wish I had somebody that sees your destiny that's greater than what the enemy's trying to place you in in your past. Somebody get right now. I want you to give God a shout of praise because you are not who you used to be. When I put on the mind of Christ, I humbly realize that everything that I was is not who I am or not who I'm going to become, but everything is brand new in his kingdom somebody give God praise if you know you're a new man with a new mind come on he is even shifting things right now that has been familiar and the enemy is trying to push you back in a past corner somewhere but I come to tell you you look not to what's behind you even the good stuff Paul said I know a lot of stuff theologically I can tell you all of the things I can school you on school stuff he said but I count it all as a pile of of manure because it has nothing on the Christ that struck me in the streets and changed my perspective. Now I want you to think about this because they said the, the, the vinegar that, that they gave to, to Jesus, I heard this from somebody uh, not too long, they used to uh, use vinegar to clean manure. 
And so they had manure in that moment that was, and that's what they used to, to feed Jesus. That's what in research, somebody was telling me this, isn't it interesting? That, 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 that come on, so I'm just going to tell you what I, this is, this is uh, Aaron Crab, uh, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you want to call it. But we have had a lot of religious manure that, that's trying to feed a body. Come on, somebody. And it's time to spit just like what Jesus did. He spit it out and said, I would rather my mind be crucified. Because he even said, listen, he didn't deny the cup that he had to taste. As a matter of fact, there were two wheels that were fighting against each other. Your mind is always going to fight the reality of the kingdom for your life. It's always going to fight because your, your eyes will tell you lies. Come on, somebody. Your eyes will tell you that your situation's never going to change. Your eyes will tell you that the report of the doctor is the way it's always going to be. Your eyes will tell you that the divorce papers that's in your hands, that's going to be your reality. But when you understand that your eyes will lie to you and the truth will set you free, you will not, you will not feed on the manure of religious spirits. I come to tell you, when you have relationship, come on somebody, when you have relationship, you understand whose you are. And when you understand whose you are, you don't have to have man to tell you who you are because you understand what the truth has already established for your life. Somebody give God praise if you know that you're a child of a king, that the royal blood is flowing through your veins and you don't have to see it to believe it because whatever the word has declared over my life, I walk by faith, not by what I see. I walk by faith, not by what. You see, when Adam took a bite of the fruit, he began to see things. You see what I'm saying? He didn't even have an awareness. He had communion with God. And here's what happened. Now, you and I, you know what we have? We have 10% of our brains that we use. 10%. But when you surrender the 10, God releases the other 90. That's the mind of Christ, ladies and gentlemen. I wish I had somebody to help me in this place. When you surrender your mind, which means when you crucify the thought that's keeping you from truth, all of a sudden, the revelation light flips on. And that's what the enemy, he wants to keep you in the dark. Because if he can keep you in the dark, he can keep you out of your destiny. But I want somebody in here to understand that you are a son and a daughter of Christ. And I'm saying this humbly, but I'm tired of God's people walking away from their destiny because of the uh, a religious manure spirit. It's all about information and nobody's having no manifestation because oh, I wish I had somebody to help me. I'm tired of darkness superseding when light is piercing through every opportunity in every moment of our lives. We got more light than we've ever had. If I had to go through some stuff to get some more passion to tell you the truth, I'll take it. That's what Paul said. I'm locked up in chains right now. But I'm, but I'm gonna go ahead and give God praise for where you are. That's what he told this church. I'm gonna praise God for where you are, even locked up in chains, and I give God praise for where I am because it gives me more passion to tell you the truth. Come on, somebody just needs to give God. If you've been through hell, it's going to give you passion. Some of you, listen, you've been, you've been serving God a long time and you've lost your zeal. That's why you're going through hell. Because God's going to give you passion to tell somebody the truth. Lift your hands right now. 
There's a surrender right now. I'm surrendering my carnal mind so that I can gain. Paul said, I, I press forward toward the prize. I forget what's behind me. I forget, I forget the past thing. I, old things are, I, I, just, I know they're old verses, but I want you to reconnect to an old verse. Old things have passed away. Behold, now all things, I want you to see yourself in the new mind. I want you to see yourself in the 90%. You know how you do it? Humble yourself. You know what I do? I bow my mind to the Lord. I bow my mind. I bow my knee to the Lord. When I get in humility, this is the season. This is not, this is a prophetic release right now because we are in the season of the door. There's a door set before you. It's in the season of the poor. It's in the season of the door and it's in the season of the lifted. I believe that as you surrender your thoughts that want to trick you out of the truth, trickeries of the enemy in your mind even right now he's roaming just seeing which gate can I enter in what past thing can I what can I what can I tell them to get them out of this truth they cannot realize who they are they they, they oh if they ever understand they're my son they, if they ever understand that they're the sons of God and the daughters of God oh I can't let them I gotta put this back in their mind I gotta put I gotta remind them of that addiction I, I gotta remind them of when that pastor hurt them I, I gotta remind them listen that devil is a liar don't tie the truth because somebody taught you tie the truth because Jesus paid the ultimate price 2,000 years ago sacrifice and surrendered and humbly gave his life so we follow that pattern and we submit our minds we submit our fears we submit our doubts we submit our struggles what do we submit them to we submit them under the mighty hand of God. We submit them under His truth. Let His truth supersede your feelings. Come on, somebody. Let His truth supersede your situation right now. That's why He said, if I be high and lifted up, not only am I drawing men, but I'm scattering your enemies. Are you hearing me right now? Let, watch this. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. I want you to stand all over this place. Listen, there's so much that, that we wrote out, we didn't get to, but God knows what needs to be said. I want you to understand that even Peter, remember when he, Jesus came onto his boat, used it for a pulpit, preached the word. And what Peter had struggled all night with, one moment with the word changed everything. Uh, it didn't mean that Peter wasn't still gonna fight with the fact that he didn't have anything. Are you hearing me? The fact that you're standing, you God's promised so many things up and, and, and you've got so much talent and, and, and your job, maybe your job was working in one season but it's not working in this season just because the word was in the boat didn't mean that his situation had really changed just yet but he had a moment in that moment there was a rhema that was dropped come on he was preaching to the masses but how many knows God will send a rhema right to your heart right to your spirit and what you couldn't do last night guess what in the mornings things are changing Because he says, weeping endures for the night. Lack endures for the night. Empty nets endure for the night. But if you're willing to hear the word,
word in the morning rather than your thought process rather than what you missed last night and you you're hearing the word of the lord say i got mercy new for you this morning and now jesus is saying listen you tried that side why don't you try something different come on why don't you you tried the law why don't you try relationship come on you tried instruction why don't you try revelation I, i'm helping somebody listen if he tells you to cast it on the other side if he gives you a rhema if he releases something in your life you may not have caught anything in last season but if he's telling you to try something different in this season which means surrender the 10 and watch him release the 90 I come to tell you that there's some people that's getting ready to step out of your mind and into his now you already are there the Bible's clear that his mind is in you but this word that we opened up with you have to let his mind be your reality I have to be willing to allow his will to be activated in my life. Let his mind. So what happens? There's two wheels fighting against each other. He said, but, you know, he started to argue. Anybody ever argue with God because of your situation? Because you ain't caught anything? Because even the stuff you was good at, in this season, it looks like it don't matter? Wow. But all of a sudden, <laughs> the word was saturated with truth. And now he releases a truth bomb to Peter and says, you tried that side. Now try the other way. Can I read one more thing to you real quick? Now I'm closing. This is going to be a minute, so just bear with me. Just lift your hands toward heaven and surrender for this truth. Everybody ready for this truth? All right, all right, all right. Chapter 3 says in Philippians, we're going to chapter 3. This is a different translation. Guess what? The King James Version is not the authentic translation. I'm just going to tell you. So religion's got to go out the window. Yeah. Let me just prove it right here in chapter 3. My beloved ones, do not ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experiencing of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God. For we have already experienced heart circumcision. And we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in law and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. Come on, somebody. Peter's, you know, he's doing his own thing. He's doing his own thing. But he realized that in Jesus, all things are possible. Are you hear what I'm saying? I don't have to work for something that he's already released. All I got to do is have faith. Somebody say, have faith. It is true that I, I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. This is Paul. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel and the son of a Jewish man from a tribe, Benjamin. I, am, I was crucified eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition Trends, uh, trend, uh, traditions of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. Somebody shout Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. 
I was without, I was without a, a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I, per, I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I now forsake them and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord to truly, to truly, to truly, to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. Come on, it's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be, uh, be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God and I continually long to know the wonder of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power. Why is anybody not shouting right now? The overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one of them. I will be one, I will be one with him in the sufferings. Come on, somebody shout this. If you're in a suffering season, it's because he's making you one with him. And I will be one with him in the death because I can't experience a resurrection without a crucifixion. Come on. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the rim of death. I admit that I haven't yet uh, 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 occurred, uh, I have yet not obtained the absolute fulfill a uh, fullness that I'm pursuing but I run with passion into the abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this however I do have one compelling focus I forget all the past as I have fastened my heart come on somebody you need to fasten your heart to your future right now I fasten my heart to the future I, I forget the past I run straight the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victorious prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. Come on, son. Turn to your neighbor and say there's fresh passion coming. There's fresh passion. There's fresh passion coming for this kingdom connection. And let us all advance together. Come on, we're going to do this together to reach the victory prize. You're going to reach your victory. Follow one path with one passion by my Father, my beloved friend, imitate my walk with God and follow all those who walk according to the way of life. We model before you, for there are many who live by different standards, as I've warned you many times. I weep as I write these words. I want, I'm going, I'm getting ready to stop. I, I weep as I write these words. They are enemies of the cross of the anointed one and doom awaits them. Their God has possessed them and made them mute. Their boast is in their shameful lifestyle, listen, and their minds are in the dirt. I want you to turn your to your neighbor and say, I'm, my, my, I'm getting my mind out of the dirt. You need to say that. I'm getting my mind out of the mud. I'm getting, I'm getting my mind out of the mess. I'm getting my mind out of the struggle. I'm getting my mind off of the obstacle. I'm getting my mind off the mountain. I wish I had somebody. I'm getting my mind off of this thing. I'm going to lift my eyes to where my redemption comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Come on. My help comes from walking with him and communing with the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit. My help comes with fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I need somebody to understand that somebody may tell you that you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good, but I come to tell you if I'm not heavenly minded, I am no earthly good. Somebody right now, say I'm giving God my mind with a praise right now. Come on. I, I wish somebody would give God a praise and say he's lifting me up. He's lifting me up. He's opening a door before me. He's opening a door before me. He's taking me to uh, uh, this unseen place. I can't see it, but I know I'm going to obtain it because I'm forgetting. I'm not going to drag my head in the mud any longer. I'm going to humble myself, but I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to lift my head as he lifts my burdens. I'm going to lift my head because I trust in the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything. I can think, ask, or imagine. Somebody put God in his rightful place right now. Put him on the throne and put your situation where it belongs right now because greater is he who's on the inside of you than anything that's been said against you. Come on. I know you've been fought, but it's only because there's great passion coming in this season. You will be zealous for him. You're not going to be zealous to prove a point, but you're going to be zealous to connect some people to the love that you've experienced. Come on. To the peace that you're walking in. To the joy that's giving you strength every day that you're walking. He's my connector. He's my defender. I want to end with this. The Bible says, put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. I want you to focus on Ephesians 6 for a while. Shod your feet with the gospel of peace. Take up your shield of faith. Why do we have a shield? Here's, here it is. To quench the fiery darts of the enemy. What happens when the fiery dart of the enemy gets around the shield? I start to believe the lie rather than the truth because the, the lie got around my faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it attacked me and it got me and it struck me. But somebody needs to tell your neighbor, I got a sword of the spirit, which is a dagger, by the way. Which means I have the ability to, to dig out the dagger, the, the, the uh, arrows of the enemy. Come on, somebody. The only way that I can dig out the lie of the enemy is replace it with truth. I wish I had somebody to help me. It's time to start replacing the lie with the truth. And the truth is you're set free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Is free indeed. You want to close this up? Father, we just thank you for this night. I thank you for these beautiful people. God, Lord, I thank you that they are in you and you are in them. Lord, I take authority over every demonic spirit that would attempt to exalt itself against your knowledge. Everything that would try to get your people to come into agreement with it that is not based out of your word or your spirit. Father, we take every thought into captivity and we submit it. We make it subject to the Holy Spirit in our life. We say to you every demonic uh, spirit You know what? Make the move attempt. as she's praying. Come to the altar. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, keep going, keep going. Every spirit let the mind. We that let would the attempt mind. to this exalt is a, the move itself. Is saying, I'm going to let my mind be in Christ. Make yes, the move. Father. Make the move. Release Come on, just put your hand on your head. Come on, just let begin to mind. take authority. Every thought into captivity right now. 
everything that would make you come into agreement that you are less than anything that God has called you to be. We cancel the assignment, the identity crisis in America, the identity crisis in the kingdom. We say to you, no, not in this hour, not in this house. We say in the name of Jesus that we will come into agreement with everything your word has spoken. We know your truth. We know your truth because we're free by it. So we break every identity crisis in the name of Jesus. And we step into your mind. We let our mind know that we surrender. We let our mind know that we surrender. And I, I, I want to piggyback off, Pastor Manny, you're going to rest tonight. I declare your rest will be sweet in the name of Jesus. And I declare as you're resting, he will be working in the nighttime. He will be working. Some of you have been trying to, work, you've been worrying, you've been turning some stuff over in your mind, trying to figure it out. But I hear the Lord say, I'm going to work it out as you rest. He says, don't worry about it. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, I hear the Lord say, 1 Peter 5, 7, give it to me, hurl it on me, throw it off of you, throw it off of you and onto him tonight. Matter of fact, go ahead and do that. I want you to target what it is that's weighing you down because tonight we're throwing it off of us. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a past thing. Maybe it's a present thing, but whatever it is that's trying to weigh you down, that's trying to pull you down, that's trying to draw you back. We're we're not of those who draw back. So in the name of Jesus, I declare, come on, just lay your hand on your neighbor. We're going to agree together on this. I declare that I'm. we're casting this off. We're casting everything off that would so easily beset us. We cast off every weight and every heavy spirit. I declare that every spirit of depression, I declare every spirit of torment that is keeping you up at night, we declare that the tormentor has to be cast out of your house, that the tormentor has to be cast out of your sons and your daughters rooms in the name of Jesus we declare that the truth is casting out the tormentor we declare that the blood of Jesus and we apply it over every doorpost we apply it over every mindset in the name of Jesus and we declare that in this place tonight that things are shifting in the mentality we're not going to walk around with our head down we're not going to walk around as orphans because we know that God has created us to be priests of our house. We know that God has created us to be kings of our house. And I humbly submit that you have a position in the heavenlies. And God is ready for you in this moment to take your authority. It's time to take your keys back. I declare that the power of healing will be released in this house again. I declare that doubt will not have its way. I declare that fear will not take us to a place past failure so that we miss the moment's miracle. I declare right now that miracle signs and wonders are going to follow some people in this place tonight. When you walk out of this place because you're full of faith rather than fear, you're going to see miracles. You're going to see signs and you will see wonders and you will see goodness and mercy following you because you're not turned around walking in the wrong direction. But God has given you a focus. Come on, somebody. God has given you clear focus tonight. So we come against every familiar spirit, every trauma spirit. Every spirit of trauma. Every spirit that tried to lock you in a cycle path. Yeah. 
The psychosis of the brain that has kept you locked in a moment that has not allowed you to move past it. The addiction that once had you bound, that wants to take you back to it. That we're breaking that hurt people, hurt people. We break that spirit in the church. We break that spirit right now that we become what happened to us. Father, I thank you that you have opened up a new path for your people, God, in this hour, in this moment, that we will not repeat history. We will not repeat the cycle another year. Father God, there are, there are people in this room there, they've been faced with death, they've been faced with divorce, they've been faced with worry, some of them lack, some of them, uh, you know, controlled substance abuse. But I say tonight that there is a release and a breaking over their heart, over their mind, over their spirit, and that that traumatic event, the PTSD, will not be the thing that they focus on. It will not be the trigger that continues to pull them back and bring them right into the same cycle all over again. And Father, I just pray the peace of God that passes all understanding over your children tonight. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace that passes all understanding. Father, you created this mind. And so we are your people saying, let the mind of Christ be 